You're listening to NFL No Huddle, the podcast with Brian Weber. It's a talk show. We talk. And former Pro Bowl Steelers quarterback Cordell Slash Stewart. Hey, get your popcorn ready. NFL No Huddle airs live weekdays from 4 p.m. to 7 p.m. Eastern on the NFL on TuneIn, your everything audio app. Hello and welcome to NFL No Huddle, the podcast. I'm Brian Weber alongside Cordell Stewart. On today's podcast, we're going to bring you the best moments of our Super Bowl 52 coverage from Radio Row in Minneapolis. So now let's take you to Minnesota. Now let's welcome in Tennessee Titans quarterback Marcus Mariota. Marcus, thank you so much for taking the time. Now, Cordell was known for his versatility, but even Slash never did what you did in the playoffs. Take us through a play that's going to live forever. You threw a touchdown pass to yourself. Uh, you know what? <laughs> right place at the right time. Um, I was very fortunate um, to just kind of be there and uh, made a play. It's oh, a- you're being humble. I need more details. He's a good guy. I really, honestly, uh, I got to send a gift basket to, to Darrell because uh, if he didn't knock it knock it up, I think Marcus Peters might have had a shot to pick it off. Yeah, now, was that the right football play, Cordell? Because you're told to knock it down. Yeah, well, the thing was, he looked like he was trying to make a play, and he looked like he tried to knock it down. You were trying to make a yeah. play by throwing it back in the end zone, but... Darrell Revis is standing right there. He knocks it down. You have the awareness to be able to catch it and score the touchdown. That's the type of stuff you guys did in the second half a lot this year. You know, being able to battle back. Uh, you may have Derrick Henry in the fourth quarter. You know how strong he gets. He gets to become a strong runner as the game goes on. What part of that in you guys, when going in the locker room, you talk about? Is it something that you have a conversation about, or it just naturally happens where in the second half you know you have to turn it up? You know, I think it's a combination of both. Uh, great adjustments, uh, and then on top of that, I think guys just made plays. Derek, uh, especially in the fourth quarter, when you can lean on somebody like that, a big back, uh, give him volume, get let get him rolling, uh, he's a special player. And then on top of that, uh, guys just made plays at the end of games, and we were able to come out with a few victories. Chatting with Titans quarterback Marcus Mariota joins us on behalf of Spam. You have a new head coach in Mike Vrabel. I know it's a new period of transition for you, but what are those early conversations like with your new head coach? They've been great. They've been great. Uh, I've, I was fortunate enough the last couple weeks to be in Nashville, so I got a chance to sit down with him. And his vision, uh, his mentality, I think, is going to sit well with the guys. And um, I, I'm looking forward to it. I'm real excited. Well, he mentioned a lot of great things about you and seeing the relationship that you guys needed to have in order to be really, really good. Mike Malarkey, you know, I had him when I was in Pittsburgh, and, and, and he always talked about you in a very positive way. What did he mean to your game, your progression in your game, based on what he was giving you, whether it was 38 balls, 39 Bob? You remember all that stuff, Absolutely. right? Absolutely. Of course you do. That's a play call for those who are not listening. Uh, those who don't know, a run play. Um, how instrumental was he in that progress of, of being a quarterback in this game? He helped me out a lot. Um, you know, I thought he did a great job of helping me understand fronts, uh, you know, getting in and out of good run plays, uh, doing a good job of just understanding situations. And, um, you know, I, I was honestly, I was sad to see him go. I thought he did a great job for us. Um, but at the same time, I think John Robinson has done an awesome job of putting the team first and uh, I trust whatever he's trying to do and I, and uh, I believe he made a good decision. And Marcus, now that you've been on the scene for a few years, do you feel like the culture of the organization has changed? Not too long ago, not a lot of wins. You knock it up to nine wins last year, nine wins this year, and you make it all the way to the divisional round of the playoffs. Absolutely, absolutely. And that and that started with uh, our GM and, and really Coach Malarkey. Um, they, they really changed the tide of, of the culture. They really got guys to, to buy in and believe. And when you have that and guys are all kind of on the same page, you have you have a lot of chance for success. As a quarterback, uh, we've all, and I say we, being a former quarterback, we've all find someone or, or look towards someone to model our game behind. 
when you see the game actually being played the way it's being played by Tom Brady, you know he's improving every single year. What have you? What do you need to improve on in order to get to the level where you know what? When we get to the postseason, we may have an opportunity to get to the big game. Yeah, I think there's a couple of things for me um, in terms of, of football. It's the footwork. Um, I think at times I was inconsistent. I got inaccurate when my feet were all over the place. If I can kind of clean that up, uh, I can be a more consistent passer. And then outside of that, I think the way that that Tom has done preparing his body physically. Uh, year in and year out. Uh, I can really take a page of that and, and learn from. Chatting with Titans quarterback Marcus Mariota joins us on behalf of Spam. We'll talk about that wonderful delicacy in a moment. How about the challenge that Nick Foles, Doug Peterson, the rest of the Eagles offensive staff have? And they have the benefit of two weeks to get ready for the Super Bowl. As you're breaking down tape, trying to anticipate what Bill Belichick and Matt Patricia are going to send at you. What was that like for you getting ready for the divisional round of the playoffs? Yeah, just a little bit of uncertainty. You're not sure what you're going to see. Um, they do a good job of mixing up a whole lot of different things. And, um, you know, at times we, we sat down and talked about it. You're going to have to, uh, unfortunately, kind of diagnose and see what's going on while the game is going because you, you're not going to be able to, to prepare against every single look. And um, that's what they do. They do a good job of it. And uh, that's how they can cause some com- communication issues and some confusion. When you look at the National Football League and the direction it's going in for is the RPOs, when you have the spread offense, you know, what's your strength when it comes down to being that QB? Because you somewhat ran some RPOs when you was at Oregon before you came into the National Football League. Would you like to have that back to help you have that double read and you can either run it or you can either pass it or just stick with the, tradi- the traditional routes of, of just being able to drop back three-step, five-step, seven-step, bootleg, and quarterback draws? I think a combination of it. Um, you know, I think the traditional stuff, it's solid. It's going to get you uh, moving the chains. It's going to get you what you need. And at the same time, I think if you have a little bit of a sprinkle, a little bit of a, a, a difference when you come in with the RPOs, uh, you, can, you can make it tough on defenses. And I think that whole side of it, the RPO stuff, um, it, it, makes it, it makes it challenging for the defenses. You kind of dictate to them how the game is played, and um, you know we'll see how it unfolds. Super Bowl week, all about fun and festivity, so I don't want to get too deep, but what does leadership mean to you? Because we have a notion of what a quarterback is supposed to sound like, and it's the old school, rah, rah, follow me, we're going to do this together. Feels like you have a different approach. Well, I think there's different ways to lead. Um, I, I believe that as a leader, you have to develop a relationship with your guys. You have to have an understanding and, and being able to relate to them. Um, so really, uh, for me, I just be myself. I try to relate to these guys. I, I try to uh, understand how they how they tick and how I can help them out. And then from there, just just be the best player that I can be. So being that you've gotten to Nashville, uh, what is it you like to do? Because sometimes you like to keep it hardcore football all the time, but you're a human being as well. Being in Nashville is a beautiful city. I mean, there's a lot to offer, tons of culture. Uh, what is it about Nashville you love uh, that'll stop you from going back home to the Minnesota? Seeing you the Predator games, you enjoy playoff hockey, right? The, the Preds games are awesome. Uh, music City, obviously, the music everywhere is incredible. Uh, play a little golf. Golfing out there is awesome as well. How's your golf game? Um, I'm all right. I'm all <laughs> right. I can hit it around a little bit. That's what's up. <laughs> but I, I mean, Nashville's a great city. Great city, and it's. Uh, it's one that I'm, I've had the pleasure to play for, and um, it's, it's, one, it's quite enjoyable. Finally, you are proudly from Hawaii, having spent some time and enjoying my time on the islands. I've seen spam everywhere in Hawaii, so what do we need to know about spam? Well, you know what? Spam has been, like you said, it's been a part of my life forever. Um, 
it's it's such a quick and easy meal. Uh, for us back home, we usually do it with breakfast. We can do it with uh, spam and eggs. Um, other times, we, we make a little snack. It's called spam musubi. And basically what it is is you it's a, basically a block of rice, and then you put uh, spam on top of it, and you wrap it in uh, seaweed. And it's kind of like a... Whoa, whoa, wrap it in seaweed? It's kind of like a spam sushi. Okay. And it's a quick, easy bite to eat, and uh, it's really good. And... Um, What's really cool, too, is Spam's doing this thing where they, on, on their website, Spam.com, uh, you can check out a bunch of recipes uh, for game days, game day snacks, and uh, just kind of alternative things. Oh, man, that's a chicken salad wrap. What are you talking about? That's awesome. <laughs> now that's good. That's awesome. Awesome. Mark, it's good to see you. Thank good you for joining you us Thank you NFL so much team. for having me. Really appreciate it. You're listening to NFL No Huddle, the podcast, and we'll be right back with more after this. Let's say all you want to do is listen to TuneIn live from Radio Row, but all you hear is noise with Bose QC35 wireless headphones, too. All you need to do is flip the switch, and suddenly all the Super Bowl talk comes through loud and clear. Bose QC35 headphones, too, are engineered with world-class noise cancellation, innovative wireless technology, up to 20 hours of battery life, Lose the noise, lose the wires, lose yourself in Super Bowl talk on TuneIn. Visit Bose.com slash no huddle to experience Bose QC35 headphones to today. Bose, official sound of Super Bowl 52. Welcome back to NFL No Huddle, the podcast. Here are your hosts, Brian Weber and Cordell Stewart. As we continue on NFL No Huddle, the podcast, let's head back to Minneapolis for more of our coverage of Super Bowl 52. Now let's say hello to Saints head coach, Sean Payton. Coach, always good to see you. We know the mantra in coaching is don't get too high, don't get too low. But we're back in Minnesota. Man. You knew where I was going. Listen. How long did it take to shake off that play? It's still going on. I mean, I, I think for a team, it, it's just hard when you when you get into the postseason, you recognize the challenges of getting to this final game and you're super jealous you're not playing in it. And so when you get close enough to or a game away from and and it comes down to the end like that. I, I think it makes it long, you know, more difficult. But uh, man, we, we've got a good young group, a real good young group, good draft class. Um, it's exciting. Uh, these guys responded well all year. We had about shoot eleven guys, eleven starters on IR, and they, they responded the right way. And uh, I'm super excited to get back to work when the off season program starts. But no, driving by this building, uh, you know, I think breaking out in a cold sweat was the first you know and that's hard to do with when yes. it's seven degrees below zero <laughs> Did you freeze in the process <laughs> right a bit frigid here <laughs> coach tell me uh, you know you have a backfield that's different than i think most people in the national football league for a very very long time have seen where you have two different dynamics one that's more of a power runner and the other that has the capabilities of being powerful powerful and elvin elvin camara but yet at the same time he's so elusive as well you know two thousand yard rushers i mean when was the last time we've seen 2,000-yard rushers in the backfield and be able to contribute to an offense as well as they did? You know, uh, it's a great question, and it kind of evolved, and it kind of found itself, honestly, because, you know, free agency comes first in our league, and, and we sign Adrian Peterson and compliment, you know, both he and Mark Ingram together. And then as the draft process unfolds and you begin working players out and you go through that, um, you know, you're, you're looking at your board and, after the Tennessee workout, we just had a vision for what Kamara could do. Uh, you didn't get a ton of carries at Tennessee, but you saw real good hands, a real comfortable hands, and a very smart, smart player. One of the one of the traits that he has, much like Marshall Falk had in regards to learning 
is he never surprises the quarterback. You know, he's a problem solver on the field. And so when that opportunity arose to draft him, now all of a sudden you have three guys. And I think, listen, I think Adrian had a lot to do with the growth of that room mm -hmm. because you have a Hall of Famer who's approaching the offseason program the way he does and Mark Ingram's uh, coming off a great year and, and the competition in that room for just touches during training camp and preseason games, uh, it's, it's, it's the greatest thing you can do to bring out the best in a player. Chatting with State head coach Sean Payton, who joins us on behalf of Zebra Technologies. You have input when it comes to player personnel, but how much credit do you give to your GM, Mickey Loomis, your entire scouting department, to find not only Alvin Kamara, but we have Marshawn Lattimore in that very chair yesterday. What an impressive young man he is. When we get to NFL honors tomorrow, the Saints might have both the offensive and defensive rookie of the years. Listen, we, we've, we've set up the personnel in a way now where we've, we've done a real good job with, with certain prototypes and you know, if you're not hitting at a certain degree or a certain percentage, uh, it can impact your team negatively. And, and we went a stretch where, quite honestly, some of the free agent signings and, and, and some of the decisions we made in, in the draft weren't good. And then couple that with Bounty and the picks you lose and all those other things. So these last few classes have done, have done extremely well. Jeff Ireland's been fantastic in that role of coming in. We were together in Dallas. Uh, and being able to type players a certain way, um, we'll communicate closely when it when it comes to the selection and, and down at the end, you know, ultimately we're going to do what's best for our team. But uh, it's exciting and it's exciting with these young guys. We know we know Drew Brees is the callus of everything you guys do. Uh, you know, a lot of teams like to work from the inside out and, and all that great stuff to try to establish the core of the football team. But it really starts with number nine. He's had some talent around him for some years, and he's been the reason why they've been so good. But Michael Thomas, I mean, coming out of Ohio State, what did you see in him when grabbing him in the second round uh, where he can actually get to the point where he gives you 196 catches just in two years, which when was the last time we even saw something like that? I mean, it's no, it's the first time. He, he, the thing that jumped out on his college tape was his yards after the catch. Um, his willingness to compete for balls, you know, so he is a big player. He's got extremely strong hands in traffic. And when you watch the college tape and you get a chance to see him against some really good players and, and even practice tape and you watch him against Eli Apple or you watch him against other corners in the Big Ten, but there is a physicalness to how he plays you know, and on Thursdays, I like to go out there. It's third down, and I like to, you know, bump and run. That's what they get a lot on third and two to three. And, and I'll go out and jam and jaw with them a little bit. Hmm. And I remember coming off the practice field and in a staff meeting, and I felt like I was in a car wreck. That's how it feels when you, when you press him. I mm -hmm. mean, there's just a physical presence to how he plays with his hands. They're violent. Um, he's a guy that plays with a lot of confidence. And is still getting better. He's Keyshawn's nephew, yeah. and and so, but man, to his credit, he loves playing. And I'm telling you, when he's done, he's in the treatment room, he's in the mm -hmm. weight room, he's studying. He gets it. He there's not a, there. He doesn't have any other vices. This is it, and uh, he can't wait each day to see what's in the plan for him. Chatting with Sean Payton, who joins us on behalf of Zebra Technologies. Understandably, we've been talking so much about the future Hall of Fame partnership between Bill Belichick and Tom Brady. What about? what you've enjoyed in New Orleans. Take us back to when Drew Brees joined the franchise. Did you have an instant connection? How did that relationship evolve? 
Um, it's hard to say. You know, the connection for us, man, we were just post-Katrina. And we were, you know, it was like that scene in Jerry Maguire where he says, who's coming with me? And there's, it's crickets. You, like the, we, could, we were having trouble hiring coaches and getting players to come. And so here was Drew, who had just been released. He had the injured shoulder unprecedented really the injury he had so there was a little bit of risk in regards to how well could it recover and I remember him he and his wife flew in and we had a PowerPoint made we had coincidentally it had hired one of the coaches that were was with the Chargers when he was there and that was Pete Carmichael and Pete proved you know that was it was very important for us because Pete put together some things offensively that they called it terminology wise there and Man, we had our best foot forward, and I remember taking him out around the area and really being open about this is what it's like now and getting lost because I'd only been there two months, mm-hmm. two hours lost. And now on the phone trying to call Mickey Loomis, hey, I need to get us back to the hotel. And I remember we got back to the hotel. Usually you get an hour and a half, two hours to freshen up, and I was dropping them off downtown at like 6, and dinner was at 6.30, and I remember pulling away saying, He's going to Miami next. There's no way we're going to get him, you know. And it it, it worked out in a way uh, that it's hard to explain, you know. And and I did I, I do feel like uh, during that time frame he saw the level of interest and ultimately the level of risk we were willing to take with his injury. And you can never you can never predict, but he he's got good instincts and. Uh, you don't take for granted how long you've worked together. When I see him, I still see the same player. But all of a sudden, we're at the Pro Bowl last week, and I see Balin now walking around. So we see age with our children. We Time don't catches up. Yeah, we don't see it with each other. I still I still see him, Cordell, just like I did when he played at Colorado all the way to – but then you see other measurables, and you're like, wow, you're, I can't believe your daughter's this old or your son's this old. Um but it's been uh, it's been great. Would you be stunned if he doesn't come back to the Saints next year? Yeah, that, that asked a free agent question. You know, we're yeah. looking to make news in the mall as well. No, I know. Listen, I tell you, go have a Cinnabon, drink some warm milk. <laughs> okay, <laughs> relax. Drew Brees is not going any places. <laughs> the headline, right? No, he's not going anywhere. Your defense. I mean, they've been tremendous this year. Uh, I think the last time we may have seen this defense, in all due respect, was when Greg Williams was there and you guys mixed it up on the open field, maybe running your four three to getting in the red zone, going three four. However. Uh, but this defense this year led by Cameron Jordan. He's giving you 13 sacks throughout the year. You're leading soccer on the team. You're leader on the defense when it came to, comes to making plays. How big of a player was he for you this year as far as the morale and the energy he had for this defense? You know, I, I think significant. I, I think one of his great strengths is his stamina. Um, he's, he's one of those guys that can play 65 snaps a game and play number three is much like play number 53. Um, he's in great shape. Um, then the the acquisition of some of these younger players, uh, even some veteran players, A.J. Klein, Manti Teo. Um, you know, we've got David Onyemata, Sheldon Rankins. Uh, you know, a lot of players playing roles and then adding to the secondary with the rookie class. Um, Okafer played well till his injury. I mean, so many things uh go into place to playing good defense but cam uh look it was great to see the success he had individually and there's just an effort about how he plays that forces you on defense you, you know as well as anyone that 
you're counting on 11 to the ball as fast as possible, and, and he's one of those guys you know you're going to get at every play. Last one for me. You played the Patriots week two. You've been matching up against Bill Belichick for a very long time. What's the challenge Doug Peterson and his staff has to tackle trying to match which with Belichick and Matt Patricia who's getting ready now to become the head coach in Detroit? Well, I, I think a couple things. I mean, you're paying close attention to how your defense – you're paying close attention to how your defense is matching up against New England's offense. I mean, that has to play in the back of your mind. How are we doing? Um, you know, ultimately, you know, the time both of these quarterbacks have to, to throw the football and make decisions is important. You know, who's getting harassed quicker? Last year in the first half, you know, you saw Tom under a little bit more duress than, than you did uh, Matt. So I think paying attention to how the game's unfolding uh, and then recognizing what you want to do in the end. I, I think, obviously, there'll, there'll be a lot of pressure on Foles, you know, coming into this game and, and that feeling that he has to match Tom Brady's performance when, when actually uh, I don't think he has to. I, I think they played really good defense Philadelphia all season. I think just paying attention to how the game's unfolding uh, on both sides of the ball. And, and I think, look, we say this every year, the kicking game becomes important. You know, there's a punt return, there's a kick returner waiting to become player of the game. And I think coverage units uh, on both sides will, will have to be on point. Finally, you have teamed up with Zebra Technologies. What are the details? Well, they're with the NFL, actually, for the last four years. Um, all the next-gen stats that we get, Leonard Fournette's going 22 miles an hour. All these are the the chips we have in our pads now that we're able to track we as a team track every every movement so when we practice i can see that michael thomas has traveled today six and a half miles that's kind of the average of where the receiver would be on a wednesday or i could see what kind of output and and help reduce soft tissue injuries um but they've been with the league now for four years they've been in their field of industry for decades they're the ones i mean the, the barcode on your gatorade the barcode on your retail stuff at the store uh, they're directly on the edge of performance so when you show up looking for uh, a certain product they can locate it at the store that's what they do for a living they do it better than anyone and you know you'll see them continue to uh, with our league advance what we're doing technology wise whether it's chips and footballs which exist right now that's zebra Uh, so anything with the the striped horse that's what they do and they do it real good Always good to see you. Thanks for being generous with your time again here on the NFL on TuneIn. Man, thanks, guys. I appreciate you having me on. You're listening to NFL No Huddle, the podcast. We'll be right back after this. Catch all new episodes of some of your favorite podcasts early with TuneIn First Play. You can listen to new episodes from some of your favorite shows, like Haunted Places by Parcast. Every episode, I take you to the scariest haunted places on Earth. Hollywood and Crime by Wondering. We also tested the purse for fingerprints. Nothing viable there either. And Uncivil by Gimlet before they're available anywhere else. Where we ransack America's past and discover that history is only kind to those who write it. Search First Play Podcast and listen early. Listen often. Listen today. This is NFL No Huddle, the podcast. Here are your hosts, Brian Weber and Cordell Stewart. Welcome back to NFL No Huddle, the podcast, bringing you the biggest names in football, getting ready for Super Bowl 52 from Radio Row in Minnesota. Here's the Hall of Famer, Rod Woodson. Always a pleasure to be joined by someone who has one of those great gold jackets. Rod, thank you for taking the time. So here you are. Here's Cordell. And there's a fellow named Tom Brady still getting it done at the age of 40. How is he getting better as he gets older? You know what? The game is different. Let's... He is getting better. 
Um, he understands the game. He has seen all defenses. So he, and he understands the philosophy that they want from that offense. I mean, just think, 18-year playbook. It's the same playbook he's had for 18 years. Right. Think how nice that is and how easy that is. But I would say the game has changed just for the fact that they don't – it's the millennials. They don't work as hard as they used to back in the day. Like back in the day, when you were pounding five weeks of training camp, he wouldn't be playing 18 years. You're talking years. about the physicality of it. Physicality of everything. And then, you know, you look at the offseason, the game, the Super Bowl's coming up, you know, on Sunday. As soon as that game is over, they don't come back into that building until after the draft. So their bodies get to recover. It's not like we used to. We used to come back in and be banging and working out and running and, and doing all that stuff. So they get time. So they're going to recover more. But at the end of the day, you know, when you look at Tom, he just really understands the game. And, you know, I, I know he did that Father Time pod, podcast, whatever it was. But at the end of the day, the league is helping him and it's helping all players because he, they're overly protected in the pocket. You can't hit the receivers down the field. You can't hit them high. You can't hit them low. He's not going to get touched. You know, he's going to be protected. And he's seen everything. So if you bring different blitzes, you bring blitzes outside, he's going to get rid of the football. You're not going to hit him. Only time I've ever seen Tom Brady get hit is when the pressure's coming up the middle and it's immediate. And that's the only time you can pressure him. And if you don't do that and they don't do that, for talking about the Philadelphia Eagles defense, it'll be a long day for them. Yeah, and I think the last time we saw that was when they played Denver in that AFC Championship game. And they did it literally for 60 minutes. And I don't think we've probably seen that since. But if it's not the physicality for him, it has to be between the ears. Is there another quarterback in the game right now or even throughout the time in which you played up until now and, and also be a part of the coaching world, you've seen a player be able to take a team that's totally different offensively and defensively every single year. I don't care if it's a guard, a, a defensive lineman to a receiver, especially the receiving core, be able to still contribute and be as efficient as he's been. Well, the one thing he's had, he's had his core players with him. So Amadola. Edelman, even though Edelman got hurt this year. Gronk has been there for the last several years. But the one thing about him, he knows the game. That's irrelevant. His system is a system. He's been in the same system for 18 years. Right. Defenses really don't change. I think for him, he understands what he wants and what he needs to accomplish. If you look at their system and you look at their team, they have formation tendencies. The only problem with that, if you overplay, oh, they're just going to stop and pivot away and Thomas is going to throw the ball to him. So he's patient enough to let their, his receivers do their job. And even though they're not, you know, bona fide Hall of Famers and, and perennial pro bowlers that he's playing with, he makes that team click. The Hall of Famer, Rob Woodson, is our guest on the NFL on TuneIn. When you get to Friday, from this perspective, we've covered the big game from about every angle. Cordell, how many times have I mentioned you got to get to Tom Brady? You got to put pressure on the greatest of all time. Fletcher Cox up the middle, dominant. Brandy Graham coming off the edge. Philadelphia, statistically a better defense than New England. Can the Philly D carry them to a win? I think they, I believe they have a shot. I really do. But it's going to be predicated on them getting pressure in the middle. And, and, you know, Graham coming outside, yes, he might get there, but it's going to be predicated on Cox having a big game or the interior. They have a good eight-man rotation. And if you look at the, the template to beat them, you go back to the Miami Dolphins when they played them this year. T 
tough man to man. No Gronk, remember? No. Shout out with the one game suspension. I'm just I, giving the audience I, I, context. Yeah, I, got the, I got the Gronk, no Gronk, but and like Gronk's not Kelsey. Gronk has a matchup problem because he is six seven, big, two sixty, two whatever he is. Yep. His catch radius is big, but he's not going to outrun you. So people can be physical with him, and he ha- he's shown a tendency to get hurt in games. But with that being said. At the end of the day, it's still a matchup. So you, you look at that Miami game, it's tight man-to-man. If you play zoning against him, oh, he's going to eat you alive. Yeah. So it's tight man-to-man, pressure inside is the template. If you don't have that template, you're not going to be Tom Brady. You know how sometimes people say, ah, oh, run the football and keep him on the sideline. Just hit him all game. Like, everyone's tried that. What about playing, being prepared to play for 65 minutes? If you can be prepared to play for 65 minutes, because you look at Jacksonville, I mean, the first half pretty much was about as good as it can get. They even got up to 20 to 10 when they came out uh, at half, and they end up having a chance to separate themselves just a little bit. Think about last year in the Super Bowl. They were up 28 to 3, Atlanta was. And they took the foot off the pedal, let's just say, the last three minutes of the third quarter. We're not talking the whole half. So if, if someone like this team that we know they rotate very well defensively, especially when it comes to the front four, you think they'll have, be able to have the stamina to be able to go for 65 minutes to push this team to the bitter end? Because every Super Bowl has come down to that. I, I think the key to beat Tom Brady and Bill Belichick's teams is that you have to do the unscheduled. You know, everybody has tendencies. Mm-hmm. So, hey, second and long, they're going to throw it. Run it. So, you know, third and long on defense. They always play this defense. Play another defense. You have to give them what they don't expect. If you give them what they expect, Tom Brady's going to eat that team up. But you have to do the unexpected. When you go back and look at that team against Jacksonville, Jacksonville in the first half did an outstanding job of keeping the ball on the ground, and it was really keeping them off balance. When they thought they were going to run, they were passing. When they thought they were going to pass, they they were running it. But in the second half, it's like they were playing to win, but not playing. They were like playing to keep the game. Keep the game game close. Not not to lose it. And they kept running the same plays over and over and over, when, even though they were getting hammered up front with those little zone options. You know, no, they did no boots. They did those shallow crossing routes, and none of them were coming open. Instead of changing that up in the second half, and it cost them. I think the biggest thing for New England, they don't make mistakes. And if you make that one mistake, they capitalize on that mistake. Then if we're thinking about when the Raiders matched up with the Eagles on Christmas night, a lot of miscues, unfortunately, for the silver and black. From the Philadelphia point of view, Nick Foles did not play well at all in that game. Then we jump to the AFC title game. He's carving up the best defense statistically in all of football in Minnesota. Who's the real Nick Foles? Somewhere in between. I believe that, you know, we caught Nick when we played him this year, his first full game as a starter. So he still had a little rust in him. And then you kind of seen him knock that off as the games went on. I think he is wily. I think he understands the game. He does have a good arm. His receivers aren't the best receivers in the National Football League. I don't know if they really scare you. Aguilar is their fastest one they have. Um, more crossing routes than anything else when you run a, when, when he's running his best routes. But at the end of the day, I think for him, we know he has to throw the ball well. I think he has to make some unscheduled first downs with his feet. Because when that offense was dynamic, when Wentz was the, the quarterback, he would pull that ball and take it around the, the end. How much of the RPO stuff did you see in that game on Christmas night? Oh, a lot. I mean, they run it all the time. Mm-hmm. I mean, they keep you off balance to the fact they're trying to stay counting the box. If the box is heavy, meaning the backers are behind the ball and they're in the box, they're going to throw it. If the backers walk out of the box, they're going to run it. So they're, they're counting that box the whole time. So you're going to see, they're going to see it. 
And I think the biggest thing is, but if the quarterback never keeps it, they don't, there's no threat for the quarterback going around the corner. Then that backside end will just keep crashing down and making plays on the, on the run game. So I think it's predicated that he makes a couple unscheduled first downs with his feet, keeping that ball, making them saying, you know what, I might keep it. I'm not Carson Wentz. I'm not, as, I'm not as athletic as he is, but I can run with the football. And if he does that a couple times, I think it bodes well for him. How impressed are you with Doug Peterson and, and being able to get Nick Foles to play the way he did in that Atlanta game and also the Minnesota game? Because it's natural when you lose a potential MVP of the game and Carson Wentz, because that was the direction he was going. I mean, his, his touchdown and interception is still better than Tom Brady's. I mean, right now he's sitting on, what, 33 touchdowns, only something like seven interceptions. Tom Brady has 32 and eight. When you look at what Doug Peterson has done, how tremendous has it been to be able to get Nick Foles to be solid in these last two games where he's been? Wait. Got to remember, what year is that that Nick Foles had his great year? With Chip uh, Kelly, a few 13, years ago, right? 13, 30, 2013. 13. So he had it in him already. Yeah. He can already he, the MVP of the Pro Bowl that year. He, he, he has that skill set in his in his body. Yep. He just had to get it back out. Mm-hmm. And when you sit on the bench, it just kind of gets a little dust. Dormant. You got to you got to dust that off. Yep. And he did that. He understands the game. He believes in who he is. He believes in his arm. I think for the main thing though, when you get pressure on him. Does he see the color, or can he keep looking down the field? That's going to be the key. I think once you see New England pressure, which they don't do it a lot, but once they do get pressure and you see the eyes go down, if they keep going down, they're going to keep getting the pressure. But if he keeps giving them a little bit and he makes a big play when they are bringing pressure, then that can go well for the Eagles. Let's wrap it up with the Hall of Fame. We know the process can be muddled. But now there are Hall of Famers in the room. James Lofton, Dan Fouts have been a part of that conversation. I'd like to see more of that. And I'm a media member. So here's my question about T.O. I don't care if an athlete is not kind to me. I'm just there to get the information. To me, this is my commentary, feels like there's a lot of media members settling scores with Terrell Owens. And they're now casting him in this different category that the locker room is an extension (laughs) of the field. And quote unquote, he was a bad teammate, which was probably factual, but I was in the room. To me, none of that should matter. This is about your body of work. How do you see it? Absolutely. I agree with you. I talked about it yesterday on Radio Row is that it's not about T.O.'s integrity or his character. It's, it's how, he, how he played the game. We're, we're taking this. First of all, he's never been arrested. I'm pretty sure there's some people that's been in the, that's in the Hall of Fame that's been arrested. So was he a jerk? Maybe. But that doesn't make him not a great player. When I look at the list that should be named tomorrow, I see four guys that should be on that list. Like guaranteed. Ray Lewis, T.O., Randy Moss, and Brian Urlacher. The fifth, I don't know, it's, throw, it's, a, it's really a toss-up between a couple other guys. But those four, to me, are like, are locks. And for some reason, the voters want to give T.O. this bad rap, and maybe rightly so because he was kind of divisive when he was in San Francisco. Then he goes to Philly, kind of divisive there. Okay, but he balled out. You know, when he was in Dallas, same thing. But he balled out, and he... As historically, when you talk about the game itself, you have to mention his name when you talk about the best receivers ever to play. Even if he's not there, right? you have to say his name. So that means he belongs there. So if, he, if, if people got their feelings hurt, get over this it. This is not the and media hall of fame. That's right. Voting men. Do the right thing. And I, hopefully they will this, this year. 
does it does it mess up the committee when it comes to the voting process? And no, they're not going to change because they've been doing what they do. I mean, it's what's fifty guys? I think what is it? Fifty voters that goes in that room. I think two are. I think James Lofton, Dan Fouts last Dan year. Phil, right? Dan, Dan Fouts is. I, I think it's still those two guys, okay. and that's it. I still don't get it. I understand your rules. I've never been a fan of the of the process itself. Even when I came in, I'd said it. I've been this way for quite a long time. I think they need to change the process. I think they need more ex-players, especially the players who are still involved in this league in some capacity. They still know the game. So they can have a voice of reason in that room. Because a lot of times they hear numbers, and numbers don't tell the story. Because now you're going to get these new quarterbacks that are coming up, new receivers that are coming up, and they're catching the ball. I mean, they're, they're throwing for 5,000 yards on a consistent basis nowadays. Where Dan Marino did that Way back when. Danny would throw for, right now, Danny throw for about 7,000 yards in a year. <laughs> with what they, with, with the these rules. rules. Yeah, yeah. So I think the mindset, our mindsets have to change to what is great. You know, 4,500 yards is a good, it's good. It doesn't make you a great player. So I think some of our, our standards have to be re-looked at and readjusted just for the fact the rules have changed. Always good to see you. Thanks for joining Absolutely, us again guys. on the NFL Appreciate it. You're listening to NFL No Huddle, the podcast, and we'll be right back with more after this. It's a new year and time for you to explore new podcasts on TuneIn. What better way to celebrate the new year than taking a look back at the best podcasts of 2017? From news and politics to true crime, comedy, and history favorites, we've rounded up our favorites and there's something for everyone. Shows included Dirty John. S-Town, My Favorite Murder, Homecoming, Pod Save America. Start your new year with these podcasts and more. Just search podcasts on TuneIn today. Welcome back to NFL No Huddle, the podcast. Here are your hosts, Brian Weber and Cordell Stewart. This is a special edition of NFL No Huddle, the podcast with comprehensive coverage of Super Bowl 52 from Radio Row in Minneapolis. Let's check in with a big man with a big personality. Here's Nick Mangold, the former NFL offensive lineman. Nick, good to see you, and we always are appreciative when somebody brings food with them. We'll get to the details of PepsiCo's game day grub match in a moment. When you played for the Jets, you had to see Bill Belichick and his defensive acumen on the big board Friday twice a year in the division. Basic question, how big of a challenge is it for the Eagles to get ready for things you might not see on tape in your preparation for the big game? Yeah, so that's one of the big things, you know, Bill Belichick and uh, the way that he can manipulate his system to to get the job done. I remember in 2007, uh, after they had played, you know, for many years of just a straight 3-4 defense, we come out, it's week one, and they show up in a 4-3 defense. (laughs) <laughs> and you would have thought, you know, heads are exploding, people are going crazy, we don't know what to do. But by doing that, then the next time we played, we had to have two different game plans. Are they going to run a 4-3 defense or are they going to run a 3-4? So he has those things designed in his system just to mess with people that haven't been on film in years. When you sit here, when you sit here, Matt, excuse me, Nick, when you, when you watch the film after playing, uh, tell me what, what did you see that you could have done differently where you say, you know what, if I play him again, this is what I'll end up doing because I know I could take that step, but then you play them again, and it's the same thing of when I could have done better. How do you see this football team being able to have a chance to even compete against this team in New England when they make you second-guess yourself every time you play? Exactly. I think the biggest thing that they have to do um, is know that um, you know New England's going to take away what you do best, and they're going to tr- they're going to try to make you beat them with something you don't usually do. 
Um, and the biggest thing you got to do is don't turn the ball over, yep. don't have costly penalties, and play the the clock game. You know, and you don't have to do that by running the ball 50 times, but you have to do clock management because the best thing you do is keep Brady off the field. Right. Chatting with Nick Mangold, he joins us on behalf of PepsiCo's game day grub match. We're talking food in a minute. Nick, when I used to have to go into locker rooms, I use that term precisely, have to go into <laughs> locker rooms. I much prefer chopping up with Cordell than doing actual work. I would always look for the offensive line area because in my experience, you guys were always good quotes, <laughs> thoughtful guys who had something to say. Let's debunk some myths. What's the greatest misconception about offensive linemen? Um, that we're just big, dumb idiots that run into people. Um, there's a lot that goes into offensive line. There's a lot of strategy. There's a lot of calls. Um, and there's a lot of uh, mental work that goes in during the week. Yes, we are the big animals that, you know, have to push people <laughs> around. But there is a mental side to it that I think gets lost uh, a lot of times. And when you look at how the offensive linemen have to play in this game, particularly uh, this offensive line of New England having to play against this front of, of Philadelphia, which has been really, really, really good this year and consistent throughout. And plus the rotations you add into it. How tough of a day will this offensive line have in New England going up against this front four slash, let's say, seven offense defensive linemen? Yeah, so the, Philly's been doing a great job, you know, getting after the quarterback, playing with their hair on fire. They've just been flying around like crazy. And it is going to be a big challenge for them. But one key that they have is they have Tom. And Tom's going to make sure that they, he gets them in the right position, make sure that, you know, he's got everyone accounted for. Um, rarely do you see a free runner coming at Tom. Uh, you know, he's got it covered. And if there is one, he's getting that ball out quick. And, you know, so you can put a lot on the offensive line. But that, you know, that little extra thing is, you know, the ability of Tom to dissect the defense and get, put him in the right spot. Since we've established offensive linemen are deep thinkers, let's talk about the strategy X's and O element. We've been talking about RPOs for Philadelphia all week long. Run, pass, option. How does that change what the offensive linemen have to do for the Eagles? Well, I think the biggest thing is that you can't tell the offensive linemen that there's a pass associated with it. Um, you know, I, the first thing a linebacker looks for is does an offensive lineman's helmet pop up? If that pops up, you know it's a pass. So to, to really pull off the run-pass option is you have to sell that run. You have to believe that it's a run. So for me, if I was a coordinator, I would never tell my offensive line that there's a pass element to it. I would just say, hey, we're running the ball you know, to the right over here, and that's what we're doing, and you guys go block it, and next thing you know, you see the ball whiz past your head. Like, oh, there, that was in there. Yeah, it's funny you mentioned that because we do it in high school with my son's high school, mm -hmm. and the offensive line, and even the offensive line in the National Football League that run the RPOs, they don't really know what's going to happen because everything happens so quick. Mm -hmm. Do you think this team in New England will be able to respond to that the right way? Because I don't think Bill Belichick has ever gone up against anything like this, considering what we saw last week when they played against Minnesota. Yeah, it's definitely going to be a big challenge for that defense to make sure that you're in the right spot at the right time. But if one thing we know about a Bill Belichick defense is that they're going to be in the right spot at the right time. Um, you know, it's just it's going to be, you know, can you control that, you know, having to deal with both the run and the pass on one play? You've had a great run in football, but we know all the cliches about father time being undefeated. Nothing <laughs> lasts forever, except for one guy. One guy, Tom. Tom Brady. Tom seems to be doing Is he well. going to win this, or is father time just on the ropes right now, and this thing's going to go the limit 12 rounds? I, you know, when he, when I saw the quote that he said he wanted to play for four, until he was 45, and, I, you know, you start the season, and you watch him, and you're like, eh, I don't know, Tom. Then you see him just continue going along, you know, just chunking away. Like, maybe he could play until he's 45. Yeah, and I mean, the thing is, is, I'm 45 right now. 
And you look 60. And I stood up here my, I put my... You're looking at that right That's now? That's why he's aging. Are you looking at that right there? Look at that. All right? Uh, great athlete over here. Um, so it's saying that when you look at how he's actually playing in the, in the throws that he's making, I mean, you ask yourself the question, what does he need to improve on in his game? It seems like every year it's something new. And if you're not really paying attention to it, it just seems as if he is playing on the level as if he's maybe 30-something years old. But I watch him actually progress every single year. What is his weakness? I, I don't know. And I think that's the tough part that no one really knows because yeah. he, he's been able to do it for so long. And, you know, when he's first started out, you know, they were a defensive-oriented team. Uh, and it's kind of morphed into a Tom-oriented team. And, you know, it, as it keeps growing, um, I, I, I don't see where the weak. I, I think it's really up to him. It's just kind of, yeah. am I done? Am I done? You know, or, or, you know, can I make another run and go get another Super Bowl? Nick, last one for me. And we're going to talk about the greatness of PepsiCo's game day grub match in a moment. I'm originally from New York. I was a Jet fan a million years ago. So as a Jet legend, let's make you the GM. Should they spend some money and get Kirk Cousins? Because my favorite exercise to ask any Jet fan is, who's the second greatest quarterback in the history of the Jets after Joe Willie Namath? Not to besmirch anybody you played with. They've been looking for a quarterback for a very long time. They have. It's been a long time. And I think the biggest thing, if I were the GM, I would be looking at how can I, you know, first you can have the world's greatest quarterback, but if you don't have the pieces around them, you don't have the system set in, um, it's not going to work. And so now that they're sitting on their third offensive coordinator in three years, um, you know, I'm, that that worries me because there's a lot of turnover. Um, you know, there's a lot of guys who have a hard time learning an NFL offense and now having to learn three NFL offenses, um, that, that can be a struggle. So um, I think you need to make sure that all the pieces are in place before you go spend a gajillion dollars on a, a shiny new quarterback. Has New England screwed it up for everyone based on how they've done it since the time in which Tom Brady stepped on the football field. There hasn't been too much change at all. I mean, this is the first time we're hearing two coordinators at one time leaving. You got your backup quarterback in Jimmy Garoppolo gone. You have Jacoby Brissett gone. I mean, 40 years old. Bill Belichick seems more happy, let's just say, in this last AFC championship game than I've seen him even in the Super Bowl when they won it. Mm-hmm. You think this is the end of this run for this group when it comes down to everything that they've accomplished together? I, it'll be interesting to see how that happens. You know, you lose two coordinators. How do you fill that up? Are you going outside? Are you bringing somebody up that's in the same system? Um, it, it'll be interesting to see. And they have made it difficult for every other team because it's a perfect storm. You get Brady, you get Belichick, and you get Kraft, give them, you know, the control. That's the perfect storm that has worked out well and that led to their success. And, you know, that doesn't happen every time. There's other ways to build teams. Let's get to the real important topic. Uh PepsiCo's, not just Pepsi, because Pepsi now is more than just a wonderful beverage. Mm. PepsiCo's game day grub match. What do we need to know? So this was a great competition that we did for uh, digital content. Um, It was myself, Rashad Jennings, and Greg Jennings. We had three different recipes that we had to cook. Um, It was a timed competition. Uh, since I'm here, obviously, you can tell that I won. Um, All you do is win, <laughs> no matter what. And so it was, uh, you can go to gamedaygrubmatch.com, check out all the videos, uh, see the recipes, see some of the blooper reels, which are pretty hilarious. Uh, but this that I brought for you guys today, uh, it's the wing that is featured at Buffalo Wild Wings this weekend here in Minnesota. Uh, it is my Dorito's Cool Ranch Dusted Chicken Wing. Uh, it's Buffalo Com, um, and it's marinated. It's uh, fantastic, and I highly recommend checking it out. Cordell, you going to dig in? Mmm, that looks good. 
It's not like you like it more than He's me. pondering. Well, he's I have pondering. to talk. I have to have Oh, the you can eat and talk at the same time. You do a lot of things at once. <laughs> he's a, trust me, he's a multitasker on Multi- steroids, literally. <laughs> he can get it done. No, I, you know, I'm, I'm going to. You're I'm, good right I'm, now, I'm, but later. For, for now, for now, yeah. for now. Because I, am, I am on the mic with you. Yeah. Thank you, my friend. Thank you very much. Because for you would me. never eat it. and try to do the talk show. We've no, never no, established that in the past. Every once in a while, I sound like I am eating something every once in a while. <laughs> More than once in a while. Finally, you win the door prize. Best beard we've had on the show thus far. Thank you. Thank you. It, I thought it was a lot better last week. My wife yelled at me uh, because she knew I was coming out to Super Bowl. She goes, you can't look like that. You, you cleaned need, that up? You need to get trimmed oh, up. And so this you is, cleaned that up, bro? This is cleaned up. It was bigger when you were playing. It was bigger a week ago. <laughs> I'm not letting go. So of you beard. Put it, what do you put in that thing? Do you, you like? You, what do you? It's do? nothing right now. Right now uh, is natural because I traveled. Uh, this is you know el natural. But sometimes there's a little bit of wax. You know, I got a beard <laughs> comb uh, to help it out. I got a moisturizer. Keep uh, it still. Does it sit still when you put the wax on it? It holds it down. It, it gets it because sometimes I get poofy and yeah. it, it kind of yeah. just puffs out a little bit. Yeah. And so the wax lets it fall. Gives it. a little weight to it. Um, and then you know shampoo, conditioner. It's a whole big thing. If you cut it off, how long would it take for you to grow it back? I think. It, Word on the street is it would take a day, uh, <laughs> but I don't. I don't want to test it. Hard hitting beard knowledge Hard-hitting only beard. on the NFL on tune. Right. Thank you. Exactly. Thank you. You are listening to NFL No Huddle, the podcast. We'll be right back after this. Let's say all you want to do is listen to tune in live from Radio Row, but all you hear is noise with Bose QC thirty five wireless headphones too. All you need to do is flip the switch and suddenly all the Super Bowl talk comes through loud and clear. Bose QC35 headphones, too, are engineered with world-class noise cancellation, innovative wireless technology, up to 20 hours of battery life. Lose the noise, lose the wires, lose yourself in Super Bowl talk on TuneIn. Visit Bose.com slash no huddle to experience Bose QC35 headphones, too, today. Bose, official sound of Super Bowl 52. This is NFL No Huddle, the podcast. Podcast. Here are your hosts, Brian Weber and Cordell Stewart. As we close out NFL, no huddle the podcast. Let's take one more trip back to Radio Row in Minnesota for our coverage of Super Bowl 52. Now let's welcome in Kansas City Chiefs quarterback Patrick Mahomes. Well, Patrick, Cordell's phone tells the story. Mm-hmm. I had forgotten that we had actual documentation because I had it seared in my mind how great a conversation it was <laughs> a year ago. Radio Row in Houston. Here we are a year later. What's the last year been like for you? And congratulations on that quality start to wrap up the regular season against Denver. Yeah, thank you. I mean, the year's been awesome. Uh, after the draft, uh, first off, getting drafted by a great organization in the Chiefs. Uh, it's been a, it's been an amazing experience about just really learning. Uh, it's been a great year where I've really learned a ton and uh, been very excited. And uh, like you said, I got a win at the last game of the season. I uh, got my first start, so that was awesome. When you look at how things actually happened, I mean, there was conversations about the latter part of the first round, but they all of a sudden make a gutsy move and, and, and move to the 10th spot to give you an opportunity. Here it is. Give us those emotions, because we talked to you last year. We were uncertain. It was, mm-hmm. it was up and down. You're kind of the wild card quarterback, so to speak. Uh, then all of a sudden it happens. Kind of take us from there and kind of to that moment and then where you are right now for us as you move forward. What do you do? Yeah, I mean, it, it was. It was a wild. I, I knew there was a chance I could get drafted early, but until it happens, you never know. And so I got drafted early by the Chiefs, and it was really a cool experience. And then I headed to training camp and did all those things and uh, really just learned a ton. Uh, Alex, Coach Reed, all, all the coaches and players, I mean, the leaders on the team, I mean, they really taught me a lot. And it was a great rookie year where I got to probably learn more in one year than I learned in my entire career. Chiefs quarterback Patrick Mahomes is our guest on the NFL on TuneIn. We referenced what you did week 17. 
You don't often hear praise from the opposition. Are you aware of what Vaughn Miller and some of the Broncos said after that game? I, I saw a couple a couple things. I mean, it's, that's awesome whenever you get some respect. I mean, you get like praise like that from some respected players around the league. When you think about what Andy Reid does in his offense, everything is really predicated on the West Coast style, which is get the ball out of your hand pretty quick. You, you pretty much have a, a, a grenade, you know, a big, big gun <laughs> on that right side of your body where you could just launch it anywhere. How did you find yourself as the year went on being in that system and having a chance to run those plays in practice? Yeah, I mean, it was awesome. I mean, just just how good the offense is for quarterbacks. If you really understand the offense, it makes it easier for you. And so for me, uh, you have to kind of balance getting it out of your hands, doing the thing uh, quick and efficient in the right way, and then sometimes letting the plays that I made that got me there loose and doing those, but keeping it on the right track and not making mistakes at the same time. A lot of transactions can occur between now and the start of the new league year. So what's it going to be like when you show up for OTAs and your name could be number one on the depth chart? Yeah, I mean, that, that would be exciting for sure. I mean, for me right now, is it's all about working, just making sure you work every single day and go through the process and really get after it and making sure your body's in the right shape, your mind's in the right shape, you're, fit, you're mentally prepared. And so whenever that opportunity does come, you're ready. When you think about preparation, we, we often you know think we have to be in the weight room a lot. We often think we have to run a lot, which the cardio portion is more important than anything else. But when you watch Tom Brady in this game, he's 40 years old. I mean, he's still playing as if he's one of the younger players in the game. He hasn't skipped a beat. Uh, tell me, what are you learning from what he's doing as opposed to what you've been doing, but what you're trying to do moving forward? Yeah, I mean, first off, I mean, just, just him being in – probably MVP candidate, maybe MVP of the league at this age, just shows that if you really take care of your body, if you really – put your whole life into football and you really sell out you can be playing this at 40 years old at a high level and he, he's a guy who's done that he's done everything he could to make sure his body was right so try to stay away from injuries and if he was injured to get him fixed the right way and so he, he's he's a guy you can definitely look to and, and know that there, there is a way that you can play it uh, until the, the 40s chatting with Chiefs quarterback Patrick Mahomes he's our guest on the NFL on TuneIn because Cordell and Tom Brady are contemporaries and they used to battle feels like a million years ago we keep talking about experience and the patriots maintaining it year after year let's jump to youth you're on your way in kansas city mm -hmm. we had a great conversation with kareem hunt the other day yes. tyree kill is a young guy you feel like you have something special now potentially in the making in kansas city yeah definitely we have a ton of playmakers on both sides of the ball uh we have a good balance of youth and experience i feel like so we got some younger guys that are bringing a lot of energy and stuff like that and you got the older guys who still bring the energy but at the same time have some some more veteran things they can tell us and and help lead on, on the team like that and uh i feel like it's going to be a, a great year for the years to come what's the experience been like for you in, in kansas city i think right on the border between missouri in Kansas City has a barbecue spot that most people like mm. to go to. Like, what was your social life like in Kansas City? Because obviously coming from Texas is a little bit different and obviously much colder in Kansas City. Yeah, for, for sure. Uh, it is really cold in Kansas City, especially <laughs> this year for some reason. Right. But, uh, yeah, I've gotten used to it. I love it. Uh, I just bought a, my own place out there. I was in an apartment, just bought it on my own place in a good, good spot. And, uh just kind of building a life there, I guess you would say. Yep. And uh, the people are awesome. They're really 
they really care about you. They're passionate about the, the, the Chiefs and all the sports teams, but especially the Chiefs. And so I'm excited to build a future there and get ready to hopefully bring a Super Bowl there. Let's get into the hard-hitting stuff. Celebrations are back, and we saw it across yes. the league. You got your guy, Travis Kelsey, mm-hmm. who's a dance machine. How do you think the Chiefs did with the group celebrations this year? I, I thought we were pretty pretty good. I mean, we got a lot of, a lot of good things that came out of a lot of people. We had our fullback come up with one. We had receivers, DBs, everybody was getting into it, and uh, I feel like we'll keep bringing heat, and we'll keep bringing it for years to come. How great is Andy Reid? We, we've been known him to be, through conversations, uh, to be a, a quarterback guru. Mm. Um, in comparison to some other coaches, you don't have to mention their names, but just his approach psychologically, um, what, is he has, what has he done for you to get you ready for this opportunity you have coming in the, in the near future? Yeah, uh, Coach Reed is awesome. I mean, he's, he's very serious but very funny at the same time, a guy you really respect. And he just, the little things, like the little things you would never expect he, he, he can tell you about. And I remember from day one, he always just mentions little things to you and that, that help you. And he tries to help you out every way possible about just all the knowledge he's got in his career. Always good to see you. Enjoy the rest of your time here in Minnesota. Yeah, thank you. You're listening to NFL No Huddle, the podcast, and we'll be right back with more after this. It's a new year and time for you to explore new podcasts on TuneIn. Bring in 2018 with exciting new podcast episodes for the whole family like Story Pirates, This Podcast Has Fleas, Tumble Science for Kids, the Alien Adventures of Finn Caspian, and so many more. Start your new year with these podcasts and more. Just search podcasts on TuneIn today. Welcome back to NFL No Huddle, the podcast. Here are your hosts, Brian Weber and Cordell Stewart. Welcome back to NFL No Huddle, the podcast spotlighting Super Bowl 52 in Minneapolis. Pleased to be joined by Viking President Mark Will. Mark, thanks so much for taking the time. Let's go back to the genesis. If there was a moment years ago, you and your brother, local officials, have the dream to bring the Minnesota Super Bowl experience to reality after years ago was played at the Metrodome. When did that thought first come across your mind and you thought we can make this happen? Well, you know, first, thanks for having me on. You know, in 2005, we purchased the team and the debate about the stadium went on even years before that. And we spent many years till 2012 till we finally got legislation approved to build this beautiful jewel, the U.S. Bank Stadium. Once we did that, we knew that getting a Super Bowl would be a good chance of getting it because this community stepped up. The state, the city of Minneapolis, they did a great job. They're great partners, and I think they're doing a great job this week. I'll tell you what, Mark, I feel we need to give you a phenomenal introduction because we are in your city. This is your team. Can we get some horns for Mark, please? Can we really introduce him the right way? There we go. That's what we're talking about right here. I'm a Case Keenum fan, literally on steroids. Brian Weber will tell you, anyone Biggest that listens to our show, in all I'm like, sports media, Case Keenum, with what he's done, with where he's come from, it's been remarkable. I mean, no one's given him a chance. Diminutive has been mentioned a few times because he's not big. But all he's done is stay durable, uh, and he's won games. How do we foresee you guys dealing with this situation? Because it's a complex one. When you think of Sam Bradford, Teddy Bridgewater, who we know you guys love, and how you drafted him. And Case Keenum kind of was one of those guys that, you know, if we need him, we hope it can work. But I think it worked a little bit better than most expected. Listen, we, I mean, this, this season and the core of this football team is in a great, great position. Our head coach, Mike Zimmer, GM Rick Spielman, we are very confident as ownership that this 
team is in the right direction. Two out of the last three seasons, winning the division, coming oh so close this year. Of course, a little mm. disappointment, but that miracle play and the, the, whole, the whole thing. Uh, you know, this quarterback thing, first we've got to get an offensive coordinator. Pat Shermer, great coach, great find for the New York Giants, but we're, we're in the process now of interviewing candidates. Once we get that in place, we're going to go through our normal processes that we trust and come around to who's the best guy. But Case, what an outstanding year, what an outstanding person. All our quarterbacks in the room, just a great, great group. Delighted to be joined by Vikings president co-owner Mark Wolf getting you set for the Super Bowl here on the NFL on TuneIn. You mentioned a play that's going to live forever. Take us through how you saw it. Where were you standing? And when did you realize, oh, my goodness, Stephon Diggs is going to score the game-winning touchdown? Well, I mean, I, I, I've replayed that a million times in my head. That You know, we were in the ownership suite, just like everyone else, just all glum, how, how down it all looked. And then, and then poof, like divine intervention, that way that happened. But I have to tell you, our players fight every single play. And they just believed. And, uh, you know, Diggsy, what a great, I mean, Case, a great throw, great catch, but the, the wherewithal to stay in bounds, know that the tackle was missed, and to run for the end zone, it just, it was electric. And I'll, I know one thing for sure, in 20, 30 years, everyone's going to remember where they were when that catch happened, especially Viking fans. Yeah. I mean, you look at this city, and, and you're looking inside the mall right now, here at the Mall of America, and you see all the people moving around. And, of course, we all in our time wish we had that chance to play in the city in which the Super Bowl is actually playing in. And, of course, it's here in your city. But when you see the city happening and having fun and, and really being real jovial and excited about this chance of, of playing in your new stadium to show it off, I mean, because anytime you're in your city and you have a chance to show off your new house, I mean, that, that actually makes you, from a free agent standpoint, more attractive as time progresses and trying to find some guys to free agency, trades, and also this draft coming up. Well, there is some sting to it. I, I wish I'd be a little more purple here in this mall. <laughs> a lot of green and white and red and all that. But uh, like I said, the U.S. Bank Stadium, I mean, listen, no team's ever come this close. So we, like I said, we're in a good direction. We feel positive about this franchise. And this U.S. Bank Stadium, people talk about it, but until they come in there and see it themselves, I love people that have not been in there when they walk in their breath is taken away. I mean, this is the number one stadium in the world. We're excited to show it off. And on the Vikings front, we're going to be moving into a new headquarters in four weeks in Egan, TCO Performance Center. So a lot of good things happening, and we can't wait for the new season to start on Monday. And like most people listening, we've only seen your glittering new home on TV, so we'll all be watching the telecast on NBC on Sunday. What areas of the stadium are you most proud of? I, I mean, one of, the, one of the great things about it is that feeling you have, even though you're an indoor building, that you feel like you're outdoors. We have a 60% of our roof is clear, see-through. Wow. It's an ETFE clear roof. It's a kind of fiberglass. It's heated. The snow melts right off of it. And when you go in there, you're like in this giant sunroom that's 68 degrees at all times, and the fans can feel they're outside. They know we're there right in downtown Minneapolis, and they can watch a great game. And we have the closest seats in the stadium. It's like you're in your living room. You can get all the replays, even more than you can get on, at home. So I'm, I'm excited to have the world come in here. Not everyone's in, in the position to, to be able to build a house. Let's just talk about homes and residents for the most part. But we're talking about an infrastructure that is about as big and great as it gets and grand as it gets. You mentioned the best stadium in the country, pretty much in the world, as you alluded to. How much of a headache was it? I mean, you go through changing granite countertops, marble. Is it, is it the, equi the equivalent of, of going through the process of, of, of doing a home, but just on a scale that's times 10 much bigger? And they had to play outside for a while, too. Yeah. That's right. Oh, well, Minnesota <laughs> Gophers, right? Is, I think yeah. when you guys played for Two years we were at yeah. TCF yeah. Stadium. Mm -hmm. 
I mean, it, it, it was a, a tremendous labor. I mean, we have a great, great staff led by Kevin Warren, our COO, and Don Becker, our stadium executive. And we had a great team of, of professionals. Uh, HKS Architects did the design. They did Dallas and Indy. Uh, we, we had a great team. Morrison Construction did a great job building it. So there were a lot of all hands on deck here, a lot of meetings for years and years. But I think all that sweat and labor, you put a lot of love into it, it comes out like it does. It's a great, great feeling. Tremendous ROI. We're getting you set for the Super Bowl with one of the men responsible for it being played here in Minnesota, Vikings president Mark Wilf. Mark, beyond what it means to your family and the organization, how about the state and the region? Cornell and I have been lucky to cover many Super Bowls. This has a different feel. The, the Minnesota hospitality I've heard about is genuine and palpable. It really is. They've been great to us. We have the greatest fans in the world. That's why we built the stadium. We wanted them to have the great fan experience. I think people from Philadelphia, New England, and wherever else, they're coming here. You know, we asked for volunteers. Chad Greenway was let our crew 52 to get the volunteers. And we needed 10,000. 30,000 showed up within a day or two. So these people love it. They're embracing it. I think northern cities should have more Super Bowls. I think they appreciate it in a unique way, and I think uh, you're going to see it this week. We're seeing it already. When you, when you talk, talk about this city, you know, many times, you know, they see a multitude of things, talk about the great weather that you have, the great changes of seasons that you have. But what would want, cause someone to want to come to Minnesota and see what you guys have to offer? Because I know this mall is phenomenal. I mean, we know the Dome is phenomenal. But what else does this beautiful state have to offer? A couple lakes, right? It is a land of 10,000 lakes. You like fishing and hunting. You know what? And this is one of the big, big proponents of the stadium was the corporate community. They have, I think, 15, 16 Fortune 500 committees, uh, uh, companies. And they really have great companies, great way of life. The family life here is great. The education system is phenomenal. And the community as a whole has really embraced football. I mean, from day one, from Bud Grant days in the old Met, Right through the Metro Dome today. Right? They, they knocked down the stadium in the general vicinity here in Bloomington. Maybe we'll go look for the plaque somewhere where, where <laughs> they used to play here. Before before our time, but we have some great history here in the Minnesota Vikings and the, the land of ten thousand, so uh, ten thousand lakes. So it, it, it's great to, to welcome the world here. Last one for me. Such a proud heritage in your organization. When we think Randy Moss, I think Vikings. So we're going to get the Hall of Fame announcement tomorrow. What would it mean for your team to have a first ballot Hall of Famer, Randy Moss? Well, I mean, it would be special. I mean, Randy had gotten to know him a little bit. Uh, the first trade of Randy was right before we purchased the team. But we know what he did to this franchise where it was kind of finding its way. And he just connected to a whole new generation of fans because he played the game at a different level. That natural athletic ability and the way he got the ball and all those great, especially as that rookie year, who can forget that? So, you know, Randy Moss and, and Steve Hutchinson also uh, spent a good part of his career here. So uh, we have a great history, a lot of Hall of Famers in, in Vikings land, and uh, we're rooting for him. When you look at this game coming up, I know you don't want to probably say much about it because you wish it was your team. But with knowing that you will be a part of it and you will watch it, who do you see actually have an opportunity to win this game? Well, these are two great football teams, and I know enough to know that that ball's not round, and you know yeah, that. That's so. right. <laughs> I'm not going to touch this with a 10-foot pole, but I, I, I'm hoping for an exciting game. You know, in, in growing up over the years, the Super Bowl used to be blowouts year after year. The yeah. last 15, 20, 25 years have been great games, and uh, we're hoping for an exciting game for the fans and celebrate the greatest sport in the world. You know it. Yep. 
Great to meet you. Congratulations on years of planning and hard work to bring the biggest event in all of sports in Minnesota. And Cornell and I are real fortunate to talk NFL 52 weeks a year and obviously tune in. Values its partnership with the National Football League. Hey, thank you guys so much and keep keep up the great work. Thank Thanks you. so much. You're listening to NFL No Huddle, the podcast. We'll be right back after this. Catch all new episodes of some of your favorite podcasts early with Tune In First Play. You can listen to new episodes from some of your favorite shows like Haunted Places, by Parcast. Every episode, I take you to the scariest haunted places on Hollywood Earth. and Crime by Wondering. We also tested the purse for fingerprints. Nothing viable there either. And Uncivil by Gimlet before they're available anywhere else. Where we ransack America's past and discover that history is only kind to those who write it. Search First Play Podcast and listen early. Listen often. Listen today. This is NFL No Huddle, the podcast. Here are your hosts, Brian Weber and Cordell Stewart. Let's bring in the man who has stamina, Kevin Arlen, getting set to call Super Bowl number dot, 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 eight. dot, eight. By the grace of God, sports. eight. <laughs> and here on TuneIn, great to see you great again. Great to see you too. As you, you know, know, I'm a big fan of yours. Oh, well, you're, yeah, you're way you know too I'm a, No, no, you're I'm serious. I'm a big fan of yours. You are a radio connoisseur, so you know that TuneIn is the home not only of the National Call on West Wing yes. 1, all the local feeds. So coming off the miracle in Minnesota, we played Paul Allen <laughs> yeah. on KFAN. Yes, yes. Jim Henderson, not in a great mood on WWL Radio in New Orleans. <laughs> Take us through that play as you saw it and reacted in real time. Well, we were seven stories up and in the end zone, and that's where we saw it. Uh, but he was running toward us. And it was stunning because, you know, the, the, the conventional thinking is he's going to get out of bounds. They're going to get in, in place for a field goal. And, and that's what's going to end the game. So when the kid misses the tackle, and they had two guys right around him, and then he, and he was as surprised as anybody. He goes, oh, my God, look, I've got 30 more yards to go to pay dirt. And that's where he went. And it was stunning. It, it caught everybody, I think, by surprise in a dramatic moment. It's too bad they couldn't carry it over the next week against Philadelphia. But the best team is in this. Uh, Philadelphia is the team that deserves to be here from the NFC and the Patriots, certainly from the AFC. So we've got the best two teams, number one seeds, 13-win teams. Uh, Wentz or no Wentz, I think Foles will, will do just fine. I, I'm, I'm looking forward to Sunday. When watching that team actually play uh, in that game, back to the Minnesota game, um, how was your feelings at the latter part of it when you saw the ending? Like, you know how sometimes you have the shock factor that yes. kind of stick with you? Like, oh! <laughs> Your mouth just stays open for a long time. I mean, You've I'm, been involved in a couple of those, if I'm not I, mistaken. A couple times. There was one times. in there. Or, I don't know. Anyway, was, yeah. but, this one was, but this one was done in, in a little more of a, a dramatic fashion in a sense. It was, as you mentioned, it was meant to be caught and get out of bounds. Once Diggs had the wherewithal to see that Marcus Williams ended up missing him to look inside to see if there was someone even higher than him to understand to stay on his feet to score a touchdown. I mean, that was an acrobatic move by, by Diggs. Well, think if he does think if he makes the decision and he is caught from behind and he falls short yeah. and now time has run out. Unbelievable. I mean, it's like everything that you're taught not to do, he did. But you'd say well, you, your instincts took over and thank God they did because yeah. he, he made this big play work. But I mean, it, there was there's a little bit of a gamble there too. He probably didn't know if he was it stepped out of bounds, but that was the thing. It was to get out of bounds. The pass was a little bit thrown in, and he makes the great catch, and the kid misses the tackle. The kid's probably thinking, I, I'm not sure exactly what he said afterwards, but he probably is thinking, you know, if I get a, if I get a defenseless receiver, this is going to completely screw us up. Yeah. So he tried to probably go low and, and keep the helmet out of the 
out of the picture, and, and he got caught, and he missed the tackle, and it's history now. It's just like I said, too bad the Vikings couldn't carry it on. But it was a dramatic play, and the place was going crazy. God, it was yeah. it was a madhouse inside there. It was so fun. And you nailed it again. Another memorable call by Kevin Harlan, the best in the business, getting set to call the Super Bowl for Westwood One Sports. You'll hear the game here on TuneIn. Cordell loves the Michael Jordan versus Tom Brady comparison mm. in terms of iconic championship figures for years you've been synonymous with the nba people forget you started here in minnesota calling timberwolf games did, yes. kevin garnett with no regard for human life <laughs> are we seeing some parallels there Be- beyond athletic ability just talking about achievements and transcendence brady to me is now babe ruth muhammad ali he's become synonymous with our sport Jordan did everything in a very compact window, what, six and nine years, basically, and one year, of course, in between he was gone to play baseball. Brady has done it over, like, a generation and and many years apart with a differing cast. I don't know, maybe Cordell, I don't know if it's more difficult to do it with four other players or if it's easier to do it with ten other players. All I know is, in the changing landscape of the NFL, in different eras with different practices required and time in and out of the facility and the salary cap and all the changes that are going on. Brady has been as effective late in his career as he has been in the beginning of his career. He threw for a league high, what, 4,500 yards this year. Mm -hmm. No quarterback who's ever led the league in passing yards has ever won a Super Bowl either. So he could break a little tradition there if he would win. The point is, is that I don't know if you want to try to separate him except for the fact that Jordan did his in a very short span. Brady has done his over, you know, 17, 18 years. Now, this is what I would say about this. It's it's like breaking it down and saying in, in the time in which Tom Brady came into the National Football League, fullbacks, the short yardage and goal line situation were right, big. Changes, yes. And then all of a sudden you transcend into doing the spread. Uh, you, you get the tuck rule, and I mean, that talk. now you have the, uh, the, the injury to the knee in 2008, so now those rules come into play, the targeting rules, and then all the multitude of receivers that he's actually ended up getting over time. And not a Tremendous. Hall of Famer in there, maybe except Moss. Now listen, Moss is at the end of his career when he joins New England, right? Yes. So it's not the Randy Moss that was with the Vikings. That's right. That's and right. maybe for a while with the Raiders. Yeah. He was at the end of his career. Still good, yeah. but not a Hall of Fame good. Yes, he was still good, but not a Hall of Fame good. But then you get Mike, and, and this was... we. we we know it's a football show, but you try to draw a connection to have some parables to an extent to say, okay, or comparables, excuse me, to say that this is how great he is. Michael Jordan, when playing against the Pistons, when playing against the Knicks, when playing against the Celtics, when playing against uh, the Timberwolves, whoever it was he played against, the Blazers, whoever it was, the Trailblazers. It was like football for Mike because Mike took on any man in the paint, phys- more physical physically strong as he was, as little as he was, in comparison to LeBron James today, better than any number two player, because he was a number two in the game, playing like a point guard, than any other player in the game. So I say to myself, that's the only place I could take Tom Brady, because his greatness, I mean, it's so far out there. Peyton Manning, Dan Fouts, I mean, we go on and on, but this dude has done it better than most. He's going for an eighth time. Unbelievable. And he's going for a third time in the four-year in, in two different, like, decades. I yep. mean, like, the guy is just in, and and like I say, you look at that roster, it changes every year. And not just by five or six guys, it changes by, like, nine and ten and eleven guys. Yeah. Yeah. As much as any roster in the league, and they always win. And I, I just, in all the division championships, and he's probably the MVP this year. I, re- really, the, the debate that I always get sucked into is LeBron and Michael. Yeah. That, that's that's the debate, 
And if you find guys that played and Michael's there, they say, Jordan. Yeah. But you cannot deny what LeBron is, his numbers, and he's, he's 33. He's got another five years probably left, four years perhaps of really good – He's gonna yeah. he's gonna catch Kareem. Cornell can do this for an I, hour. I got really, you, if, but if, we know you got to go. We got know you got to go. If you bring Mike into this era, oh, with these rules, oh, and with, if you, but oh. if you take LeBron and take him back, I don't know if he survives. He's Wes Unsold. Oh, <laughs> I don't know. What do you think? Washington Bullets reference. <laughs> I'm just saying. But Mike would shut it down. It would be it would be it would be unfair. I'm a Jordan guy. I am too. You but I tell. love LeBron because <laughs> there's down. never been anybody that big that has done yeah. what he's done. I'm sorry, Brian, for us taking it basketball. That, I'm, I'm sorry. No, no, no. no, 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 no we no, all no. love it, and we'll have that podcast, and Kevin will join us. <laughs> yeah, Kevin, good. thank you so thank much you. for being thank you. with your time. I, I listen, I, I, thank I'm you so much. Fan. Yeah, have a great fan. call on Sunday. Thank you so much. Thank you for listening to NFL No Huddle, the podcast on iTunes with Brian Weber and Cordell Stewart. Listen live weekdays from 4 p.m. to 7 p.m. Eastern by downloading the TuneIn app and searching NFL. NFL No Huddle. The National Football League is on. Tune in. Your everything audio app.